Welcome to the Millionaire Mindcast, where we broadcast weekly interviews with millionaire minds from across the globe to empower you on your journey of unlocking a rich and fulfilling life. It's time to unleash your millionaire within. Now, here's your host, Maddie A. What's going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. In this episode of Millionaire Mindcast, we've got an amazing guest, Trevor Bacon. We're going to be discussing how they are transforming real estate investing through the blockchain. This is something that ultimately is going to become more and more common, but these are individuals that are really leading the charge in this space and pioneering investing through the blockchain. The blockchain is really going to change uh, a lot of the world as we know it, Um, but specifically we dive into today about his entrepreneurial journey and how it unfolded this idea of decentralized finance, the revolution of technology, diversifying money in real estate, and the milestone of the revolutionary aspect of what they're doing on the blockchain with real estate investing. Trevor is an entrepreneur. He's a founder and CEO of a company called Parcel, a digital real estate company that allows investors to gain exposure to the real estate market with less initial capital, more flexibility, and liquidity. And it was really cool. We got to talking about, you know, prior to jumping into this startup uh, with his co-founders, he was a hedge fund portfolio manager in several hedge funds in New York. So we got some insights around the Wall Street uh, stigma and that whole world that many people just don't understand. So kind of getting a look behind the curtain there was really interesting, asking him some great questions. Trevor always thinks of, you know, really creative ideas in the world of finance and how technology can really transform your investing opportunities. And that's really some cool stuff that they're doing with Parcel that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. We talked about, you know, ultimately how they're building and scaling their business, his reasons for why Wall Street has such a bad rap. We talked about some of the ideas and strategies that him and his co-founders are doing beyond the parcelization of digital real estate. Overall, just talking about this entrepreneurial journey, how he's building wealth through his business and beyond. I think you guys are really going to enjoy today's episode. If you are not subscribed to the show yet, be sure to hit that subscribe button and don't forget to check out the show notes at millionermindcast.com for this episode where you will find a show recap as well as the links and resources shared in this interview. And last but not least, all I ask is that if you guys enjoy the interview, Be sure to share it with a friend, a family member. Most importantly, if you can take 60 seconds and leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you enjoy listening to this content on, that would mean the world. And without any further ado, thanks for tuning in to today's show. But before we do, let's hear from our sponsors right after this quick message. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers 
customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales, and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. Welcome to the show, Trevor Bacon. How we doing, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Appreciate it. We're on two different ends of the country right now. You're in New York. I'm in Cali. Two of the you know spaces of innovation and entrepreneurship and business. And I know a lot of people are going to benefit hearing about how your entrepreneurial and business journey has unfolded and really specifically diving in today on you know blockchain-based solutions to real estate investments. Um, you know, talking a little bit about Web3 and this whole thing that um, many people still have, you know, trouble wrapping their heads around, which is which is blockchain. So I'm excited to dig in with an expert here today. But for those that don't know who you are and uh, what Parcel is, tell us a little bit more. Great. Well, thanks for having me. Really appreciate you having me on. Uh, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, so I'm Trevor Bacon, the CEO of Parcel. Uh, we started Parcel with myself. Uh, Jason Lewis, who's the uh, chief data officer, and Kellen Grenier, who's a um, who's our COO. Uh, we started it um, in uh, in May of 2021, so we've been go- we've been around for about a year and a half, and we've just launched into market last week to a closed community. Prior to founding Parcel, I was a hedge fund portfolio manager at several hedge funds uh, in New York, uh, always focused on technology. Um, some startup hedge funds and then a couple larger ones. And before that, I was at um, a few major banks. Again, always focused on growth tech, uh, internet software payments. Um, and that's where I got introduced to the blockchain crypto sphere about five years ago uh, and um, you know, viewed it as a revolutionary technology. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's kind of how I started my journey into the, into the space. I love it, man. Well, I want to I wanna definitely lean in a little bit on, you know, why you believe in in blockchain and you know the revolutionary aspects of it cuz I do as well and many people still seem to look at it like it's hieroglyphics on a wall in a dark cave without a flashlight right like what the hell is yeah. this thing um so I know we we're going to spend some time digging into that today but what what led you on this path of getting into finance getting into you know the space that you did post um I'm guessing college yeah 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 so just generally in finance. So I, I'd always been interested in, in business and um, uh, technology as well. The reason why I like technology is that it always uh, changes. So it replaces itself. By definition, technology eats old technology and you're always forced to grow and get better. Uh, and so, or else you kind of become obsolete. Um, and so we continue to see that railways and air, you know, it's basically like railways replace uh, cattle and, or not cattle, horses and, and buggies, and then airplanes replace railways, et cetera. So um, that's technology. It's just not information technology, but it's the same thing. So you're always growing, you're always morphing, you're always expanding, um, which is something that I kind of try to abide by in my general life, but also it keeps your career 
growing and evolving as well because you're forced to question your beliefs, question what you're learning about. You're you're evolving and growing too. So blockchain is kind of like that next frontier of that of that evolution. You obviously had PCs and personal computing into the internet, and now we're going into distributed payment systems um, in a decentralized fashion. So that's what what I believe um, is really the next leg of um, of uh, of computing and, and technology. So when you got into this world of finance, were you more in the kind of employee mindset of, hey, I'm just going to go and climb through these different, you know, uh, you're, you're obviously in New York. So it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's a jungle of opportunity. Uh, <laughs> some die, some survive, most die, uh, some survive um, and, and few thrive. And you've kind of found a way to navigate that landscape. So what, what does that look like for you? And how's kind of the evolution of going from employee mindset and working within these funds and these groups transitioned into, you know, being a CEO of a really badass company that's doing some pretty revolutionary stuff? That's a really great question. So, um, to get, so, so, uh, to get into like a hedge fund, you know, typically you need some years of just getting the basic skills, uh, which include learning how to use Excel and, and modeling financials, uh, which is a great skill to have. I actually started in equity research. So um, that means, uh, you know, every bank has an equity research department, more or less, uh, where you have opinions on companies, you model their financials, et cetera. And that was a great uh, ground for me to learn because it included technical, like financial analysis, writing, communicating, you know, to write means you really understand something. So um, that helped me get a good foundation. And that led into <clears throat> hedge fund and investing. Um, what I always loved about markets, generally speaking, is it's more entrepreneurial than you think, because no one can actually tell you if you're right or wrong, except <laughs> the market, right? right? The market tells you if you're right or wrong. So I would always view it as don't really care what you think the market's going to tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, and therefore you're not kind of working for a boss, right? You work for the market. And then the same thing in, in where I'm now. I don't work for, um, you know, I'm the CEO, but I work for my employees and I work for the customers. So they tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, and that's the mindset that I want all everyone at Parcel to, 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 to have, which is basically like, it doesn't matter where the idea comes from. Think as, a, as your customer or think as if the market is your boss, uh, because therefore you're not trying to make decisions to please someone whose idea may also, their opinion may be wrong, right? So now you're lowering your chances of actually um, uh, getting that idea or the creative idea into the world because you're trying to please someone else. So that's what I always loved about the market is that there's no, it doesn't matter who, you know, there's opinions and that's what makes a market and the market decides in the, in the end. What were some of the greatest lessons you learned while working within some of those large organizations and funds and groups that you've carried over into your own business. Yeah. So Wall Street does get a bad rap, but it, it, it requires toughness. So um, one of the things that uh, we have is one of our core tenants here is grit, um, along with many other uh, core values. But I think, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain level of toughness that you have to have, especially in the hedge fund world, uh, because every day your, your, your results are being um, displayed like live like by the second. So there's no hiding. You have to put your opinions out there. You have to have your rationale. You have to have your conviction. And then you have to know when you're wrong uh, and be able to change your mind. So 
Um, these are some of the things that we, um, that we try to have, uh, here, which is toughness, mental toughness, grit, and then also open-mindedness. So investing, um, is, is a game where you have to remain open-minded information changes all the time. You have to have the humility to say I was wrong. And, and maybe you go from short to long or long to short, uh, with that new information. Um, and that's the type of, of agility that we need in, in the, in the startup world, I would say. Um, this is a much more dynamic uh, overall, right? You're dealing with people, a lot of people, you're dealing with a, a technology that is very new uh, and requires new, um, uh, it, it, well, doesn't require, but has new inputs to help formulate our decisions every day. So uh, we're always measuring risk reward kind of on this arc uh, of time, which is much more dynamic than um, what I would say is kind of like a quarterly cadence in, in stocks. We always uh, joke around about it because I'm in, you know, real estate investment and development and, you know, with hotels and, you know, some of the commercial assets that we, um, that I own and operate. It is funny, right? Because we talk about how this, in this world of, ooh, I, I drive a lot of decisions off of data as well, trying, you know, remove as much emotion as possible, fundamental data-driven decisions, you know, tied to whatever goal we're solving for. And we always joke around of like, thank God real estate isn't, as transparent and real time of a ticker like the stock market is, right? I mean, can you imagine how many people would be making rash emotional decisions about their house every day if there was a live ticker up about real estate? Um, Why do you think it is that Wall Street has such a bad rap? I personally think that there is a level of one, ignorance, and then two, envy that comes in with a lot of outsiders on Main Street, right? And hence why we do a lot of these conversations on the Millionaire Mindcast is to bridge the gap with financial literacy and get people you know, to sharpen their pencils, get more tools on their financial tool belt to navigate you know, achieving and unlocking wealth and financial independence and stability. But um, smart money is smart money for a reason, right? So what, what is it in your opinion that is a reason for why Wall Street has the rap that it does. That's a good question. That's a that's a that's a loaded question. That's a loaded I, question. I, that's a loaded question. But I I can take a stab. So I I had been I've been on Wall Street for for ten years. I would say, um, in many aspects, um, Wall Street is almost undefeated. Uh, they find ways to make money in all situations almost, and then um, kind of either get bailed out or like wait and and they have the capital to to like there was an example right Celsius, which went under uh, recently yep. uh, their balance sheet was beyond repair, but Goldman was going to buy them for like repair their balance sheet with two billion dollars in cash and like when I saw that i 'm like they always find a way, you know, they figure it out. They're very smart. They're very savvy. Um, and it's capitalism at its best in many senses. I would say from the inside personally, um, you know, it, it does, it is strictly uh, money, right? So money is not bad in and of itself, but if you, over time, you know, you kind of find that, that sense of fulfillment, um, it, it kind of, if you're not creating something, it, it, it kind of diminishes that, that, um, that return on your own personal energy. Uh, so I, I do think that, um, that, you know, that may be the underlying reason why it does get a bad rap, like the argument that, 
Um, you know, they're not creating anything, uh, but they are funding the economy in many ways. So, um, you know, overall, it's the underpinning of our system, which is, uh, you know, a very powerful system. So it's it's not inherently bad. It's just, I think, um, you know, it, it just, you know, it can, it can be very polarizing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, when, when you play in the world of money all day, every day, and every decision, every strategy, every conversation, you know, hinges around money, oftentimes people in that world, I think, get desensitized to it. And so that's where you see some of the moral, fi- you know, fabric of exactly. people's integrity and ethics maybe start to get, you know, uh, yeah. eroded in that process. But as there is in every industry, in every sector, every space, you know, good apples, there's bad apples, right? So I think it comes with a balance, but because it is woven into everything we do physically and mentally, um, it's it's easy to have a spotlight on, you know, the, the bad actors in that particular space. So as you guys were navigating this arena, what was it that gave you the confidence to take the leap and go from an idea to creating a real business that we see today in Parcel? Yeah, so we had um we I had been following crypto for or blockchain and crypto for about five years. Um kind of back to uh Wall Street, like when there's a new opportunity, they start to bring companies around that um you know that you could invest in. Uh like back five years ago, we were meeting with like the Ripple CFO and you know, consensus. Like that's what like they see an opportunity and that it's like how they generate fees and banking. Yep. So I had been around it for quite some time. Um, and, uh, we had started to see the evolution of the blockchain ecosystem, especially around decentralized finance or DeFi, uh, take shape in 2020. Um, so I was following that pretty closely. And then, um, to your point earlier around, um, not having, uh, tickers for real estate, uh, that was something that I wanted to see, which is basically like, I, I want just exposure to Miami or LA. I don't need to own the asset. I know that, um, there are a lot of benefits to owning the asset, uh, but um, I could also just have some sort of exposure and then layer on those benefits over time, like leverage, uh, for example. Um, and so that was really the catalyst behind starting Parcel was uh, we wanted to see a way in which you could trade or invest in real estate uh, kind of at an index level uh, or, or kind of a, a price feed level that would update every day, um, mark to market your positions every day and allow you to trade and get exposure in a liquid fashion. Very cool. I love that. And I think, you know, that's um, something that's really become quite interesting when you think about, you know, the, the problems that we've been seeing in certain sectors of the economy, certain asset classes and vehicles. Before we talk about specifically um what you guys are doing at Parcel and how you guys are doing it. I'm always curious to know a little bit more about the inception stories of like, was it over a beer? Were you guys, you know, getting schnockered one night? Were you sitting in a garage, <laughs> you know, drinking, a, you know, whatever, right? What was it that, you know, you and, and your co-founders, you know, how did you guys collectively come up with uh, attacking this and, and actually saying, hey, we're, we're going to do this. Let's go. Yeah. Um, Have you told the story before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's how every every meeting starts. Um, but no, it's a little more nuanced. So I've worked with Kellen, our COO, um, 
prior at our prior hedge fund. And we were kind of in the backgrounds thinking about ways to leverage the blockchain for real estate in different systems, like basically different implementations. Um, and, you know, kind of when we had, so when I had the idea a little more formulated, um, you know, I came to Kellen and it was like, hey, what do you think of this? And then, um, you know, it kind of died down for a couple months. And then I spoke to uh, Jason, who's our chief data officer, about how we would potentially go about this. And then I also got in touch with our head of blockchain, David Josephs, um, about how we would implement this on the blockchain. And then when finally it kind of all came together, um, it took like three or four months of just due diligence with respect to like how we would even do this because it's such a new technology. We've had to create our own data feeds and then we had to create our own blockchain um, protocols. So um, just getting that understanding and, and eventually, um, you know, basically in May, uh, we sat down and said, we're going to do it. We said, we thought we could raise a little money to get going. Uh, so we did a pre-seed in July of 21, which led to a seed. And then, um, you know, a couple months ago, we did a strategic round. So, um, you know, it wasn't as dramatic as like, uh, uh, like getting together one night, but it was more of a series of four months to speak through it. And, 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 yeah, the idea is pretty complex. So, it took a lot of thinking and, and getting the right people on board. So I'm really grateful to uh, or to our team, especially the early early members and the co-founders. So as you guys took a complex idea and created a clear framework and, and business plan, you know, simply put, what does Parcel do? Parcel allows you to get exposure to the real estate markets that you want to in a liquid fashion without actually owning the underlying asset. And, and it does that through price feeds. So we have price feeds that track the price per square foot movement in residential areas um, and puts those prices on the blockchain and then has a, a, an exchange where you can uh, trade them in a decentralized fashion. And so, and so who is your kind of average avatar? right now? Is it the, you know, traditional, I've got 10,000 bucks in my savings account and don't know much about real estate, but I want to say I own some. Is it, uh, you know, private equity, family boutique uh, office? Like who, uh, who, who is your avatar that you guys see now using this? And also, I guess, as you build into the future evolving into. Yeah, that's a great question. So, so we, um, we've done a lot of research on this. We, we launched to a small set of of people, a couple hundred people, a couple weeks ago, um, and so we're getting that that understanding of of who our core customer is. But we we do have a, a quite a, a read on the initial set and where we want to go. Um, the initially we view the crypto natives, so people who are comfortable with the blockchain, that understand the infrastructure, the wallets, the connections, how these exchanges work. Um, that's our initial target. Um, soon thereafter, we're going to be targeting kind of like that modern investor who um, is more comfortable with risk. They're more comfortable taking a, taking a shot on a, a newer platform. Uh, they're interested in real estate, uh, and, um, but they're not as crypto native because they, they haven't had a reason to, to understand crypto in a way that has drawn them into the ecosystem. So one of the things we're really going to be focused on is the user interface um, to get them into the system uh, and, and trading on the protocol because the user interface on crypto, uh, while they've gotten better, they're still um, a little bit away from kind of that um, next tier of adoption because yeah. all the uh, 
basically the way that the internet has evolved, we've, we've just become more uh, accustomed to, to a better user experience. So crypto is kind of like taking a step back in that department mm-hmm. to be very almost like bare bones and, and quasi counterculture. Um, you know, we think that over time we need to reintroduce that native um, and, and um, uh, elegant uh, user experience to get more people on. Yeah, I I know that in terms of like mass adoption, right? Like it really has to be frictionless. It has to be comfortable because already so many people, I mean, if you were to go back into the early 2000s and talking about the internet and how many people were, you know, mind boggled by it and, uh, you know, I can sell something on there. I could buy something on there. I could do X, Y, and Z right now. We do it, you know, without even thinking. Um, in seconds. And I see that continuing to be um, where the, you know, blockchain and crypto space is heading with that being said, right. Regulation tying into a lot of this, which I think ultimately is going to be a good thing for uh, adoption long-term because um, it's, you know, still got its bad raps in its own, uh, you know, spaces oh, yeah. of conversation. But as you guys have, you know, seen, uh, and are, and are, would you consider yourself like the first in the space or are the, I'm guessing there's definitely some more competitors that are kind of playing in the space. Um, the, the implementation that we're using is, is unique and novel. So, um, we are defining this market of like synthetic real estate because it's basically collateral. It's basically real estate without real estate because you're creating an exchange on the prices themselves. Um, the prices are tied and grounded to what's happening on the ground. Um, so we are unique and, and first to market in the, in this vein. Uh, we have seen, uh, fra- like the alternative is kind of fractionalized or tokenized, which means a LLC or a group buys a house or a property and yep. then, um, divvies up the equity and kind of sells it to a broader group of people. Um, it, you know, we explored that. I, I think the, the, it, it, it's seen some traction today, but it, it does require a lot of capital and time. So, um, you know, you need the capital to secure the building. You have competitors such as just general property owners or developers or uh, I buyers or whoever competing mm-hmm. uh, with you. Uh, and then you need time to close that deal. So it's hard to bring in assets in that fashion um, in, in a scalable way. So uh, we're starting here, not to say we won't end up there, but I think this is the most low friction way to get just real estate exposure. So then are you guys aren't you guys aren't buying assets and putting the you know kind of asset ownership onto the blockchain and then breaking that up and selling off those pieces? what What are you guys doing specifically in terms of giving people exposure to real estate? and is there any real estate tied to it? Yeah. so, not to say that we won't do that. We think that that is a good model in the future when the infrastructure is there. Uh, so you need to have a liquid market in the fashion where you're tokenizing or fractionalizing. You need a lot of buy-in and, and people in the system so that you have the buyers and sellers and a market to price it. Which we don't have that at scale yet right now, correct? Yeah, exactly. Because you need... Um, yes, we, we do not. Uh, you need a lot of things to make that happen. Title, mortgage, appraisal, mm-hmm. all on chain. That That's kind of like the future and, and we do want to play there. But how far um, are we away from that? Do you think? I I, I don't know. I, I would I would hope 10 or 15 years would be my my hope. Um, you know, getting I think there would need to be um, 
some uh, federal or state statewide legislation to um, to to transition titles onto the blockchain. Like you have, we're adopting blockchain technology for the state of California. You have three years to upload your title into this format, and that's on the blockchain. Mm-hmm. That's how I would. Uh, that's how I would imagine it happening, and and that's probably some some ways away, um, just to get everything on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you need to have like a private company go through every house and take the data. You know, so it, it kind of yep. needs to be like a mandate, yeah, um, to, to make that happen. Um, what we're doing is so we have we have price feeds ingesting billions of publicly available uh, data data sources and data points to get to a price per square foot, which we view the unit of trade in, in a residential real estate market. Um, and so that is what parcels are denominated in. So the way that the, the language that we use is a parcel equals one square foot of X. So in Sacramento, you'd have a square foot of one square foot of, of or one, one square foot of real, like synthetic real estate is one parcel of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So you have a price per square foot that gets stamped onto the blockchain, the price. What happens is a market maker comes in, a mark, any market maker, anyone can do it. Okay. They put money into this smart contract. So let's say Sacramento's 500 to square foot. They put $500 into this smart contract that represents Sacramento. So now you have it collateralized via a market maker's dollars instead of a square foot of Sacramento. So you've mm-hmm. created a synthetic square foot of Sacramento without touching real real estate. And then you put that into a pool to allow people to trade it, a, a, a trading, basically just an exchange to allow people to trade it. The market maker gets bit, like fees on that, with much like a traditional bank would. Um, and then traders can kind of go in and out as they please for a fee. Mm, I love that. And so you've got somebody that's got 10K sitting around and they go, I want to get a return on this investment. And I'm very interested in how Parcel can help me do that. What do you say to them? We can help you. Uh, we can. Uh, <laughs> so basically, what, how that would work is you'd, 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 you'd observe where we have available markets. So currently we have, we, again, we just started out a couple of weeks ago after several test nets with fake dollars, but now we're, we're live with real money. Um, we have Miami, LA, uh, Phoenix, San Francisco. Manhattan and Brooklyn, um, you can diversify your real estate portfolio just by putting that money into a wallet, going to our application and swapping it into those cities so that you could have a, technically you could have a, a, a house that is um, spread out across the country and eventually the world, um, you know, earning return or wherever you're bullish and you could, you could either buy or sell as you, as you please. So there's no lockups, there's no minimum. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network 
and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. And what kind of returns do people generally see or should they see theoretically? I know obviously you're not making any promises, but you know what, what is the opportunity on the parcel platform? Yeah, so I would, you know, ideally it's, it's what the real estate market's doing. So if you, you know, there are general real estate market trends that, um, you know, uh, are, are very positive over time. Uh, and then there's idiosyncratic trends that, that are, um, Specific to cities, uh, obviously. My, I think Miami was up like forty percent last year. New York was flattish. L.A. held in nicely. Phoenix was off the charts. So, you know, that's where that's what we're creating is a market much like um, traditional assets, where there's various views of of um, different investment opportunities, and you can express your view on the platform. Um, and then eventually, we will look to have uh, native shorts and native leverage. So. Um, one of the benefits, so there's varying tiers of benefits. One is just general access. So many people, um, don't have enough for a down payment or don't have credit or don't want to put all their money into a house, uh, and don't, or don't know where they want to live. But, and so therefore that does not mean that they shouldn't have exposure to the biggest asset class in the world. So that's one option. Uh, then more savvy investors or, or technical investors, maybe they're uh, more interested in real estate for the levered returns. Um, and, uh, or they want to get short, um, to protect their on the ground investment. So we're looking to have an ecosystem that provides the instruments to express many views and hedge and invest, um, in, in real estate at large. What are some of the risks and downside that you guys see or make your investors and customers aware of? Yeah. So, um, the risks are. Uh, you know, there's various risks, of course. Um, de decentralized finance, DeFi as a whole is is a new industry. So um, there's various um, uh, dynamics to be aware of, uh, specifically around security. So um, we take security very seriously. We've had a th four audits to date. Um, and every line of code that goes onto the platform, we have audited. I would say that that to us is the biggest risk. Uh, because it's always evolving. You have new people trying to come at you at, through different vectors. So um, that's uh, first and foremost. Um, and then just general, like, um, you know, any investment, uh, you know, you have to be right to make money. So this is not investment advice, but, uh, you know, that's part of, that's part of the game of, of investing. You know, you don't, you, you need to take risk to, to earn re reward or return. So um, there's nothing guaranteed, uh, in, on the platform, just like, you know, just like any other investment, uh, you would make. The big boy, big girl rule of investing, right? Do your own due diligence and 
don't blame other people. In short. You money. <laughs> In short. So how big of an opportunity do you think this space is in the short term and in the long term? I think this this space is is absolutely massive. I mean, real estate is the biggest asset class in the world. Um, there's really no um, uh, liquid way to invest. So I think initially uh, we have one implementation of what we're trying to do, uh, which is to bring people into the ecosystem, uh, getting comfortable with the idea that the real estate does move every day. Uh, it may not be huge, but um, it does move and it should be uh, tradable just like other assets. Um, so that's one behavior change that we're looking to uh, ignite. And then also just general, generally getting the UI and UX to bring people into the blockchain ecosystem such that it doesn't really feel like blockchain. You can kind of abstract that away and it's just real estate on the blockchain or just real estate, period, is my real estate investment portfolio. Um, and then eventually, so that's like V1, um, having these on-chain um, derivative instruments. Uh, I think the bigger picture, kind of what we alluded to earlier, is is really getting the assets on chain. That does require uh, a lot of infrastructure, um, but we can play in many of those arenas. Uh, so appraisal, title, um, then you get the mortgage, the listing, and the transaction. So that's really the stack that we're keeping an eye on and, and watching as new technologies get developed. But we do think we can own that stack in the in the long run if we um, or when we're successful getting people into the parcel platform uh, initially. So you guys are kind of at the top of that stack, yeah? Yeah, on the appraisal side, exactly. And then as we go down and get more specific and there's more rules, regulations that we can abide by, again, getting the title so that you could transfer and transact quickly. Um, and that eventually probably turns into like an NFT. So not to get into it, but just an NFT is just like a, a ticket that doesn't change. But when it does change hands, um, it, it would go, it would go from me to Matt. Now Matt owns this property. Um, but if you had, imagine you had a liquid market like that, like a listing on this house, and then you just transfer when you transfer it, you get the title, you get the mortgage. Like there's a lot that you can do with that. Again, this is like a very entrenched business. Um, you know, probably a little bit by design. Um, and so it's going to take a little bit to, to, to remove out of the trenches and adopt the technology. Is that liquidity? Because we've had this discussion too. Is that liquidity of a real estate asset a good or a bad thing? In in which one? In which scenario? I mean, I, I think let's just talk about it from the macro perspective of the asset class as a whole, and giving people the ability to make things happen so fast in and out, right? I think, I, I mean, there's pros to cons and arguments on both sides of it, right? I'm just curious from your perspective, yeah. you know, from a macro yeah. perspective, is it a good thing? It, it, it can be, I think it can be a great thing. It can also be kind of a slippery slope too. When you look at how quickly things shift in, we'll just say the stock market, um, when emotions are riding high, you know, or Papa Pal comes out with a statement and all of a sudden the market starts baking things in, you know, 10 seconds yeah. later, what is yeah. You know, I, I think there's there's good and bad to that. I'm just curious on your your thoughts around it. It's a really good question. You know, I think I think um, having some sort of barometer with respect to what real estate markets are doing as a reaction to um, general macro conditions or interest rates is a healthy thing. 
uh, I think it is, it is kind of interesting that there's not, you know, everyone is involved in real estate. Every single person has some interest. Like, why do we not know what the real-time prices of these cities or neighborhoods are? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think uh, having that mark-to-market is not a bad thing. I also go back to the interesting part. It's like um, companies, before they go public, get marked like every three or four years, right? Um, yeah. So does the value of a company change like a house, right? So it's like before they're public, you know, we don't know, right? And and now all of a sudden tomorrow they IPO and then all of a sudden it changes every day. So yep. is that why is that so much different than real estate? Um, just like the liquidity. Markets, um, generally speaking, it would just be a little more um, uh, transparent. Yeah, absolutely. So as you guys are navigating new and, you know, continuing to kind of take what your customers and the market is giving you, what do you see as some of the most exciting opportunities on the blockchain and, you know, some of the challenges that are still getting worked through? Yeah. So, um, you know, initially we're really, we're really focused. I kind of keep going back to this UI UX. We want to get Customers comfortable with us, comfortable with the blockchain, interacting, less friction. Uh, then we'll continue to roll out new products. We kind of view our products in, in two sides. One is simple markets. So we have six markets now. We'll continue to test neighborhoods, cities uh, in the U.S. for now. And then uh, we're looking to push into international cities uh, later this year. Uh, and then on the blockchain side, there's different ways in which we can bring these products to market. Uh, again, you can have native shorts, leverage, um, perpetual futures. These are just some ideas of what could happen. Savings accounts, yield accounts, um, you know, kind of dynamic rebalancing. So these are the types of actual instruments that we're um, exploring. Um, nothing you know, set in stone yet uh, as we roll out the first version. Um, and so those are two of the, uh, two of the, uh, th- those are kind of like the two main roadmap vectors. Some of the exciting things on the com that just aren't ready yet, uh, they're called zero knowledge proofs, which will help bring this data on onto the blockchain in a more secure way. Um, you know, we think zero knowledge oracles, to be specific, are um, super exciting as um, as they develop. It's just a little early. So, uh, what what is that? I haven't heard of that before. It's just a way to validate the data without uh, in a more trustless way. So it's it's like an algorithm between to um uh, between two two parties without actually knowing each other basically it's, it's a very kind of cryptographic way to validate data with basically by trusting no one so and, it means and are these have, reporting databases that they're pulling that they would they would be pulling from? it from from our data feed so basically you know sacramento price to, you know if you don't trust parcel uh that's fine this this algorithm uh makes sure that it's uh buttoned up even more tight than we have it right now, which is super uh, secure. So that's just ways to to bring data into the world in a mm-hmm. trust fashion. Interesting. Very cool. On the way you guys are structuring this company, is this, I mean, what is the big vision of how big this this can get? And are you guys, you know, looking to sunset and sell off at a certain point in time? Is that up for discussion down the road, or usually I find that the founders always have 
some clear BHAG that is at least the first big milestone they're aiming for. And there's discussions around what that could look like. How's that conversation and vision look like for Parcel? Yeah. Um, no, so I mean, I'll, I'll be a little uh, counter, I guess. I mean, we're really just focused like daily. I mean, we know the opportunity is, is, is huge. We continue to focus on growing our team um, and, and focusing on the mission. Our mission is to bring real estate to everyone. So what that requires is uh, a lot of execution, um, you know, kind of consistent effort, energy uh, on a daily basis. So, uh, you know, we have our, our current milestones, getting the market uh, into uh, and getting our first cohort of users in, in, in 3Q, which uh, we're super excited about. Um, and once we're in market, we can kind of calibrate like the, exactly how we're like our growth levers and, and how to bring on and retain customers in a, in an efficient manner. So, um, again, the market's massive. It's, it's up to us to execute, um, and, and remain focused because, because I think that because it is so large, you could, there, there are opportunities to lose focus. So, um, right now it's kind of like one foot in front of the other daily. And then eventually you, you kind of scale the mountain. True or false, Parcel will be a multi-billion dollar company. Oh, true. For sure. True. True, yeah. for sure. <laughs> you might get fired if you don't answer it. <laughs> like, what the hell, man? What, what's Trevor talking about? So I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about your wealth. And, you know, obviously you've been in this arena of money conversations and wealth building. Um, you understand the importance of it through the vehicle of business, through real estate. What does your kind of investment practices look like when it comes to your own wealth? Yeah. So um, generally, so I've been on the uh, I've been on the um, the trading side and been forced to trade a lot. And I I think uh, you know um, it's almost like a fool's errand to to, try to trade. Uh, you know, I really do believe. Tell that. me more. No, just generally, like, I, I've been in, in seats where, you know, every day you come in and, and you're, you're like, what should I do? And, and uh, you know, Goldman or Morgan is, is sending you an email being like, trying to change your mind. They, like every day a bank tests your conviction because their goal uh, for them is to generate a trade, right? That's their business. So they kind of stimulate noise for you when in the long run, kind of back to that point earlier, it's like, you know, stuff doesn't change that much, right? You get four quarterly earnings reports and maybe an analyst day. So that's five, that's five times where information, idiosyncratic information about a company changes. So therefore, you know, your thesis shouldn't really change that often, but yep. every day you find yourself uh, making trades. So, you know, I'm, I'm more of kind of like the, the buy and hold uh, real estate is a good investment strategy as well. Um, but when it comes to liquid, um, stocks it's more of like a passive approach just cuz i do think like a lot of the 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 alpha shall we say is is um the way that it's moved with like systematic investors and and just general algorithm like bigger strategies mm-hmm. uh, you know there's less alpha without like, there's less alpha to go around um and there to get it you almost have to take event risk which means like you have to play earnings um otherwise as we've seen uh, you know, um, it, it's all in one trade. It, it's all driven by interest rates. So everything goes up together. Everything goes down together. Then like when earnings happen and there's new news, macro will follow that. And then you'll see numbers or like earnings kind of adjust to a new norm. 
Uh, but intermediate, it, it, you have most people don't have a read on on macro. Like some people do, but it, it's it's really tough. Where do you think the economy is going? You know, with where we're at right now in the short term, and you know, what do you think will transition into into twenty twenty three? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, I I like there. I I tend not to opine just because like you've been humbled so many times and like right. you. Know, it turns into, uh, you know, I think uh, they're doing what they can. Hopefully the Fed can arrange some sort of soft landing. We've seen, all I can tell you is what we've seen. It's like, you've seen um, uh, hikes, you've seen uh, job cuts. And I, the, the, what I can't really decipher is like how much of the job cuts are just that excess hiring that people saw in 2020 and 2021 to meet demand versus like, what is the true kind of base layer? Mm-hmm. Uh, as you see a really good company cut 10%, you know, but they were like, they added 300%. So like, yeah. where is the, like, where is that new norm? And yep. that's what I think the economy is trying to grapple with. It's like, what is the new norm? Um, and let's get to that base layer so we can reset uh, and, and grow from there. So I, I really don't know when that is. Um, you know, I hope Powell can pull it off again. Uh, but, you know, that's TBD. I thought it was, I laughed at that response and I appreciate that response because it's, it's so funny how many people are so convicted that they know what is happening and what's, how it's going to play out. No right? knows. You Obviously. see all these hot, these hot <laughs> headlines of, you know, uh, the market's going to crash or the this or the that. And, you know, yeah. there, these are a lot of smart money, savvy analysts and quants and people that, you know, at the end of the day, nobody freaking knows, you know, no, I think, no. and that's the beauty of having these kind of conversations and looking at all the different perspectives and data and paradigms that this, you know, information is trickling out through. Cause you know, somewhere in there, there are some breadcrumbs that you can follow that, you know, are leading in the right direction. And based on whatever someone's investment goals are, or what their business model is, right. You can take those breadcrumbs and, you know, I think have, quality conversations and strategize around how do you navigate that landscape. But it feels like right now, I mean, we're still in this. I know we're in a technical recession. Um, if you're taking the new yeah, yeah. You know, the, you know, the old school term. Yeah. The new <laughs> the new White House, you know, uh definition might not meet that. But uh with that being said, I think, you know, there we're we're in this shift right now, right? And I think especially in real estate, um specifically with the market going up and down of you know real estate. How does that tie in with your guys' business model? And um, is it ultimately, you know, just looking at the data and there's downside risk if the market's going down, people's investment on parcel goes down as well. If it's going up, it's going up. Yeah. Yeah. So we're actually, uh, that's the beauty of, of our data feeds. Like we are seeing um, a cool, like a cooling in, in some of the hotter markets, like Miami's down uh, probably like five or 6% in the last week. Phoenix, uh, I know Phoenix has dropped. Phoenix too. Yeah, Phoenix, uh, LA a little bit. Uh, New York and San Francisco are kind of holding in. So again, we we don't have a principal view in, in terms of capital. So um, I would say, uh, you know, you know, most people like it's better when markets are going up naturally. Uh, but I think volatility is kind of our friend in this sense, where yep. um, you know there isn't really a way to short real estate. Um, and it's a traditionally, um, maybe a less, uh, it's a slower moving asset, but that maybe again, by design, like there's no markets in which you can 
um, expressive view, like the case Shiller updates every month, but it's on like a two month lag and like if markets are just too fast for that, right? Like there's, yep. that's not relevant that when you're, when you're making it. So, um, you know, we're, we're working on, on various ways to, to kind of change that perception. Uh, but generally speaking, I think it, it's a good time to come to market given heightened real estate volatility. With tracking the data and trying to remove as much emotion as possible, what are, you know, maybe not the, the specific granular pieces, because I know there's a lot that goes into it, but what are some of the places you guys like to pull your data? How do you guys like to kind of, you know, craft your thesis and, you know, what are, what are the arenas, people, books, yeah. you know, things that you guys pull information and insight from? Yeah. So we have a team of, of world-class uh, uh, data engineers, data scientists, just general quantitative researchers. Um, I would say, and they come from a variety of, we come from Megatech or uh, 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 kind of, uh, kind of think tanks mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and startups. So, um, you know, we pull, we, we don't have a view on the data. We have a view on um, just being accurate. So we pull all, basically all tr- transactions um, in the country uh, and then tax data, et cetera. Uh, to arrive at a, a price per square foot that is is as representative as it gets in real time, and you can kind of benchmark that against any other public source. Um, what we're focused on is generating uh, data that scales. So uh, we're using the most forward-leaning uh, technology stacks um, to to enable this, to enable um, ingestion, uh, calculation. Um, and then eventually data science and more algorithms to improve our uh, improve our data practices. So um, that's really what we're focused on is is accuracy, uh, quality, security. Uh, but we do, and that obviously comes from the team uh, that that is behind that and and um, making that better every day or, or kind of grow every day, uh, which they continue to do. And and it's pretty astounding what what they've done in a short period of time. That's amazing, man. Well, I can't wait to see what you guys continue to do. I mean, and you know, the real currency here, the real gold is is uh, is the data, right? I mean, obviously, you guys got a platform and you guys got so many cool things that you're offering the customer. But on the back end of that, you guys are accumulating a significant amount of value in the data, which is going to be exciting to see on a macro scale how that's leveraged going forward. And excited to uh, keep up with Parcel, man. I know a lot of people are going to be interested in what you guys got going on and. Um, you know, what would you say in the, in the short term is, uh, you know, what you're most excited about here for parcel? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, it's been, it's been a great talk. Initially, uh, it's really rolling out to the users. Uh, we're, we're coming out, uh, we're in an alpha stage right now, which is only a couple hundred people. The results have been fantastic thus far. Uh, we're going to have a more, um, uh, a public, uh, beta, uh, in the next month or so. Uh, and then we'll continue to roll out that UI that I keep talking about, getting people information, understanding the, the cities that were about, that are available to trade. And then, um, yeah, we continue to actually, to the data, um, Parcel Labs is, is how we branded the, the data arm. Um, and we'll have uh, products coming out from, from that first, likely a, an API, uh, and then more of an interface strictly for the data. So um, I'm excited for it all. I think... Um, it, there, there are awesome opportunities. The market's massive. The team that we have is amazing, and um, you know it's really just a focus on execution and um, and the strategic vision. 
Well, I want to be a part of that next rollout. I am definitely excited and intrigued for what Parcel has going on. And um, for those that want to learn more about you, Trevor, about Parcel, the company as a whole, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, so we're most active on uh, on Twitter. So follow us at, at Parcel, P-A-R-C-L, uh, for Parcel, uh, the protocol, at Parcel Labs, P-A-R-C-L-L-A-B-S. Um, for the data, we have updates on, on prices, every, you know, rolling kind of automated, uh, and then, um, parcel.co, uh, P-A-R-C-L.co. Uh, and then I'm Trevor J. Bacon, uh, at, that's my Twitter handle, Trevor J. Bacon. So, um, yeah, those, those are the main, uh, those are the main outlets. Trevor, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, man. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks so much. Take care, everyone. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you share it with somebody else who maybe needs to hear this today or that could gain some value from something that was talked about or discussed in today's interview. You just never know one piece of information, a conversation, a tool, a resource can completely transform and change the trajectory of someone's life or their business. So if you get any kind of value or you want to support the show, all we ask is that you help us organically get this in front of more people. Also, for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey and unlock more financial freedom, get more time back and just level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to therichlifeacademy.com to check out all the amazing products and resources that we offer to our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one coaching with me, courses from our guests, all kinds of free content, downloads, checklists, upcoming event info and how you can connect with us live in person, all kinds of great valuable tools. You can get that over at therichlifeacademy.com. Last but not least, I always want to know, who do you guys want to hear me interview next? Let me know. Shoot me a text at 844-447-1555. With that being said, until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March 2 million and beyond. Cheers, my friend.